You are Locked On Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am joined, as always, by Harrison Fagan. Uh, today's show is going to be, it's an off day. Uh, Luke gave some quotes that we're actually going to talk about, and you're actually going to hear them here on the podcast as well. Uh, so that's going to be the first portion of the show. And then in the second half of the show, we are going to talk about Kevin Durant and Steph Curry giving their insights into Lonzo Ball's rookie season thus far. And uh, I, I thought they gave really good quotes, and I think people are responding to it kind of the way you would expect the internet to respond to it. <laughs> it's either like, see, they think these trash, or no, see, like they they're showing nuance. Okay, like, yeah, I'm actually interested to hear what you say the internet said about it because I have not been able to be on the internet very much today. I just, I, I yeah, we'll we'll talk about that here in a second. As always, you can find the show on Megaphone slash Panoply, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Today's Fast Break. Spotify, Alexa, Lakers Nation, and Lakers Outsiders. Let's uh, let's let's throw to the audio of Luke. He was asked about how he handles those late game situations, and then how he handles looking back on them after the fact. And I thought what he said was enlightening, not in a sense that like I would want my coach to, you know, if I was if I was learning from a coach, I don't think that's necessarily the process I would go about it. Uh, but it was enlightening in a sense that you're learning a little bit about Luke Walton's process in ways that we haven't really been open to quite yet. So let's uh, let's get to that audio. Trust the process. Well, you just when you're watching film, you, you exactly what you said. You kind of reflect on the decisions you made. Um, you don't sit there and second guess yourself and beat yourself up over it. it there's no there's no. Uh, formula that's going to give you the right answer some nights it works other nights it doesn't um you got to go with the players you feel like uh, are about to get it going or they're going to keep it going or somebody's struggling maybe he's got to play less minutes and you kind of as you're watching the tape on what the players are doing you see how the groups are playing together and you take mental notes and and write those you know write those down and, and you have that in your in your in your bank for next time you got to make those the same decisions so Harrison, did anything stick out to you in that in what Luke was talking about there? I mean, I, I know that the money quote that people are kind of taking from this, and by people I mean you, is uh, <laughs> is you know when he said you don't second guess yourself, uh-huh. and I think that you, I think people are taking that almost as like he would never too question literally. himself and like yeah, like too literally, like he mm-hmm. thinks he's always right. I don't think that that's the case. I think it's more of a like you know that there's nothing you can do about it now. And so maybe you learn from it. Like, I don't get the sense from any conversation I've ever had with Luke that he thinks he's like infallible or something mm-hmm. or that he can't learn from these situations or that he would really literally never second guess himself. I think that by that, he just means like, you know, you made the decision, you got to stand by it, and then you figure out what you can learn from it is more of my takeaway from it. 
I, I guess for me, I agree. I don't think that Luke actually thinks that he is incapable of making mistakes or that. And and look, I mean, some. I'm not saying that I don't think any coach out there actually does think they're incapable of making mistakes. I think there except are, for the Lakers' previous last coach before Luke Walton. <laughs> That's probably true. Pretty sure he thinks that he was uh, like batting a thousand percent on coaching decisions throughout his career and every single thing that went wrong was somebody else's fault. Yeah, no, that's, I, I, as soon as I said that, I said, oh yeah, that guy's going to come up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, his, his inability to, uh, to like coach a good defense. That was D'Angelo Russell's lack of work ethic. <laughs> yeah. I wonder like how Russell he's handling watching. Not just the time that D'Angelo was with the Lakers. Like D'Angelo as a child was undermining the Lakers last coach <laughs> and his defenses. I wonder how he's watching this Lakers defense right now. Like if he's looking at them and being like, "Oh, I guarantee you," he he texts Magic and he's like, "See, I told you if they just played hard." <laughs> well, because that's the thing the former players do, where they chalk everything up to effort. And this is like a, a thing that I think can hurt Luke really Walton annoying. getting back yeah. in. Like as a former player, is that he thinks a little, like maybe sometimes to his detriment, a little bit too much, maybe like a as a player, mm-hmm. like. Like how guy like I'm trying to think of like a, of a good example of it, but just having that mindset of like of things are just about trying harder or things are just about like how, you know, how much a player wants it or how much they're hustling versus natural skill. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and that kind of ties back to the Nance over Kuzma thing. Yeah. And and I think so when one thing that I was going to say regarding coaches and the way they kind of look at themselves in handling that situation. I think I think a coach does and I and unfortunately you can't use this phrase without it getting back to the Sixers, but a coach does have to trust their process, right? They have to they have to look at the what led them to that decision and believe that the steps along the way were the right steps to take logically, right? Uh in that sense, I can you, you kind of want under- you want your coach to trust their process, right? Yeah, in in that sense, and then you hope right. it's a good process. Like you hope that they have a process, and, and that they aren't just doing every single one. thing by the seat of their pants. Yeah, and and so and and that was kind of what <clears throat> the the two halves of that sound kind kind of stuck out to me in the sense that. On one hand, on one hand, he's saying he has to trust his process as a coach. He can't second guess himself and beat himself up over every single decision that he makes over the course of a game, uh, because that's a great way to drive yourself insane. Like, and not- also, this just this isn't a good team. I mean, they're on yeah. the hunt, the fringes of the playoff hunt, but you could bat a hundred percent on coaching and decisions still and still lose the game. Mm-hmm. Like, you could make all the right decisions and still not win. That's with how. This team. That's how tomorrow's game is probably going to go like if there if there's i'm not i'm not predicting that luke walton is going to go perfect you know for all of his all of his coaching decisions but he could but the you know and the lakers are going to be playing the warriors and that game might not end very well but what i wanted what i wanted to touch on this really quickly um and we're going to get to it here in a second but the the two halves of that sound don't necessarily line up with each other So what I was getting at, on one hand, he's saying I have to trust my process as a head coach. I can't beat myself up over every single decision, and that makes sense. But then on the other hand, he's saying, well, you got to look at who is playing well and matchups and this and that and the other in in that moment. And if that's the case, 
then it makes it a little difficult to be as organized as that process would lead you to believe. And if he is saying that he's going to ride the hot hand in situations or play by matchups, then Larry Nance Jr. shouldn't have been on the court last night. Or Lonzo Ball absolutely should not have been on the court last night. And Jordan Clarkson should have been on there, right? But I think that, if I can cut you off here for mm-hmm. a second on the Lonzo thing, I think that almost speaks to having a process more than anything. The fact that he well, put that's Lonzo the bigger in picture despite, process. We're, yeah, we're, despite how bad he was five playing. Five processes. I think, I guess, but I think I think the Lakers' process this year is to let Lonzo play, and if he's going to take his lumps, he's going to take his lumps, and I think that that almost is more of like, like I know they're different situations because the Lakers aren't tanking anymore; mm-hmm. uh, they, they don't have their pick. But it's it, you're almost damned if you do and damned if you don't. Like Luke was getting killed last year for not playing D'Angelo Russell and playing Lou Williams to win games, mm-hmm. and then this year when he goes about a more like developmental process because the Lakers actually have a guy that they apparently want to develop mm-hmm. then you know he's getting killed for not playing Jordan Clarkson over him and mm-hmm. so it just it kind of speaks to I think just the culture in general of American sports where if something goes wrong it has to be the coach's fault the coach is the first guy that well, everybody wants to blame and I don't then, know I, I'd say and then it goes back to the players I'd say somebody has to get blamed yeah, and usually it's the coach, for, coach first. In ninety nine percent of cases, it's the coach first. I don't know. I, I think the I think one of the only teams in the NBA where the coach would not get blamed first if something was like it like if the Spurs went on an eight game losing streak, people would not start questioning Pop's decision making. But I think pretty much every other team in the NBA, if they lost like a bunch of games in the in a row or they lose like a close game, the fans are criticizing the coach, and that's just how it goes. I think. I think. We're gonna disagree to a certain extent here. I think among casual fans That's fine. and you people Monday morning Monday <laughs> Monday morning quarterbacking, I think that's where you'll find some of the coach questioning there. But in terms of, you know, people who actually have a voice, I, I almost I actually tweeted about it last night. Coaches don't get questioned in post game in post game stuff. I was watching Spectrum last night and I'm waiting for at some point somebody mention it was kinda weird that the the way Luke handled those last few minutes was a little weird, and it just it's not going to happen for a few reasons. And so, like I, I just for me, I've asked them about stuff like that before. It happens sometimes, and he got asked about it at practice today. Yeah, I think and, sometimes in the heat of the moment, that stuff is hard to ask. Like I'd, I'd I, I know rather, this is going to sound like like wimpy, but mm-hmm. sometimes the stuff is hard to ask about at the time, and you want to give them that space. Mm-hmm. It's just weird that it's weird to. This is what I because there was a, a brief back and forth that I had with some people on on Twitter about this last night. But it's weird that if if it's a tough question that you have to ask a player, that the question still gets asked, and then we freak out if the player doesn't handle their answer answer very well. But if it's a tough question that needs to be asked of a coach, we tend to ride with the appeal to authority fallacy. It, it, that's and just, I also think some of this is just. These reporters, like this is a reality of all report. This is not a criticism of any one specific beat or anything like that because I've seen it across NBA teams. Mm-hmm. There is a reticence to question the coach because that is the guy that you're going to talk to the most. Mm-hmm. And that is the guy that you generally have the best relationship with as local media and you're, you're just around the most. Mm-hmm. And so if you piss that guy off, they're going to be less likely to answer your questions maybe the way that you're hoping or with like the length and that kind of thing. Like that's a real thing, whether they're thinking about it consciously or not, that it's a thing. 
it, like no, I I I one hundred percent I I I acknowledge that issue, but I still. It, I'm not saying that makes for me, it right. It's, it's, it's tough for me to it's tough for me to listen to that when you still have to have a a you know maybe not to the same extent, but you still have to have a relationship with players. But those questions still get asked of players, and then and then you get the. The holier-than-thou reaction too. of, I can't believe Cam Newton didn't answer my question, or I can't believe Russell Westbrook gave me that look. Why does Russell? Why is Russell Westbrook a dick to all of the media, whoever asks him a tough question? And then Pop gets to berate people on the sideline. It's just, it, it's a weird, no, it's I a agree, different I dynamic. That I agree that that's a very like hypocritical part of American sports culture, and mm-hmm. that that's like that that's a reality. And I, I think I guess the only other factor that I'd say plays in here too, as far as the players getting asked the, some of these harder questions sometimes the, than the coach is the players are the ones out there on the floor, and like actually like we can't say that the NBA is a players league and that you need talent to win, and then say that you know the coaches should necessarily get hit with his heart of questions as just players if we're going to say that mostly it's just talent that wins I think the players are the ones that make the bigger difference on the game and so sometimes they're going to get asked those questions because they were the ones that out there that were out there they were the ones that missed or made the shot I, I think that that's a factor as well uh, yeah I think and and to that point I think people care a little bit more about what a player is going to say in that situation that than a coach that too. so it gets back to kind of the job but I wanted to get back to the 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 just really quickly before we move on to the second half of the show regarding what uh, Kevin Durant and Steph Curry were talking about uh, with Lonzo, I wanted to quickly touch on this this Luke Walton stuff still here for a bit. And while I don't, I, I think it's too much to expect a coach to crap on themselves in the media and say I blew it with that decision especially on a random game on a, on a on a Tuesday night or a Monday night in the NBA right you have 81 other games that and and all the decisions that you make over the course of that game I the, the time that I'm kind of thinking of where a coach has thrown themselves under the bus was when Popovich took Tim Duncan out for the last possession when they needed a defensive rebound and they wound up not getting said defensive rebound and Ray Allen hits a shot that either won the game or, or forced overtime and then they wound up losing anyway. Uh, San Antonio did, did. And I think Pop in that moment kind of questioned himself. I don't think maybe in the heat of the moment, but after the fact and, and kind of said, I if I had that back, I would probably do that a little differently. Um, I don't anticipate or I don't expect Luke to do that. But one thing I would hope that does happen is he does communicate with a Jordan Clarkson or with a Kyle Kuzma to say, look, I went away from you guys. Um, I understand if you guys are a little upset. And Luke did touch on that a little bit, you know, regarding Clarkson, uh, especially his response sitting there at the end of the bench and, and looking visibly unhappy. Uh, doing so because he he wasn't in there at the end of the game and and I would just hope that that level of communication takes place between coach and player because at the end of the day it doesn't matter at all whether a fan or you or me walk away from a conversation or a press conference with Luke Walton happy or unhappy with his answers in in, in that setting what really does matter and what actually does impact the Lakers or any team is that coach's ability to portray a message that is both fair and and pointed and effective 
across and that the they roster. They stick to their principles. Yeah, and, and 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 the thing here with this Lakers team that you know Luke said it, it makes it a little bit more difficult that they don't have a Kobe because Kobe would just be in the game no matter what in in those situations because he's Kobe freaking Bryant. Uh, but with this team, I would argue that the other side of that coin is that it makes it a little bit easier to be even-handed across the board with these. There is no superstar. There is no player that's head and shoulders better than every, everybody else. There's no Marcelo Huertas on this team. and <laughs> but, but that makes it a little easier for him to communicate with all these guys because, yes, there are locker room dynamics. There are veterans. There are younger players that are guys looking for their next contract, whatever it might be. But all these guys in terms of talent level are, are deserving of the same amount of respect. Um, and, and if I was, if I was Clarkson, I would hope that I would get some kind of explanation that I can, if not be, oh, you know, happy with in the moment. Cause I doubt he's going to be happy with the explanation. He was but, not happy after no. the game last night. No, I <laughs> made that very clear. He <laughs> called it tough as hell to sit and just said it is what it is. Yeah. He was right. I, he was he was right to be angry like that. No, that's a that, hey. He's a competitor. That that's what he's going to do. That's how players are going to feel. And I I wrote this this morning at Lakers Nation. But you know he is like he's fine to feel that way. He's right to feel that way. But the NBA is not a true meritocracy. He might be playing better. He probably deserved on on merit to play over Lonzo Ball last night. But the Lakers are looking at bigger things than that. Yeah, and and if that's what Luke says in the in a meeting with Clarkson I just all that I care about is that some level of communication takes place there especially if Luke sees the clip of Clarkson sitting there after the game as visibly upset as he was I would just hope that some communication takes place and you know I don't care. I would imagine there is I, I I don't care like I said I don't care if that communication takes place from Luke to the fan base or Luke to the media or Luke to you or me. It doesn't matter. I, he could at me personally and say, I bungled that situation. And I would be, I, it'd be kind of cool. I can't lie. But I, it would, I would be more interested in how he handles it with, with Clarkson, with Kuzma, or even with Lonzo to say, look, man, I tried to, I tried to put you in that situation and you didn't come through. Clarkson was obviously upset about it, and that's something that I'm going to weigh moving forward. You know, it, that that level of communication, and to Luke's credit, I've never gotten the sense that he isn't good in that respect. In I've never heard a player complain about his communication, which cannot be said in all locker rooms. Absolutely not. Every right. guy seems to understand what, even Clarkson, when he was talking about sitting, he basically acknowledged that he didn't really expect to play. He kind of knew what was going to happen. That's, that's also very interesting. All right, so we're going to talk about Kevin Durant and Steph Curry talking about Lonzo. So get ready for that. It's it, I did find some of it kind of interesting, and, and I thought both those guys made good points about Lonzo. So uh, get ready for talking about tweets. Well, Anthony, they actually were not tweets that they were oh, yeah, that's, that's talking cool. about them but uh, a <laughs> solid solid lead in anyway well, I, uh, well we're technically going to talk about tweets from i, I think melissa roland was the no i'm I'm just going through espn's posts on the quotes but like oh, so curry was after practice he he said a ball he's a rookie he's going through ups and downs like every rookie has whether you're highly touted or not it's all learning experience and you're trying to find your way and be comfortable and then curry basically said like i hope you didn't judge me off my first 20 games in the league 
And then, did you like, happen that, to look up Curry's first twenty games in his? In the I would, you know, they were probably like kind of close to Lonzo. I did not look them up. All right, um, you go ahead and filibuster. I'll try. Yeah, you go ahead and look those up. And then, so Durant kind of echoed that. He said Lonzo's just playing like a rookie as far as finishing, learning the game, finding the ins and outs of the game. It's slowing down for him, picking and choosing his spots. He's figuring it out. He's still nineteen. That's what any nineteen-year-old would go through in the pros. It's just a matter of him being in LA, where eyes and scrutiny are on him. He's playing like he should play as far as learning the game and adjusting on the fly. And so, like. You know, Curry then also talked about, like, that Lonzo isn't the first rookie that the media and fans have wanted to pick apart like this. And he's not wrong. And people probably picked apart Durant with his first 20 games. People probably picked apart Curry in some ways in their first 20 games. And that's the problem with the instantaneous 24-hour news cycle on a lot of levels. And then, you know, so that that stuff is just going to happen. And I think it's on all of us in the media to try and be as smart as possible as we can about this and like use context and understand that even historically great players a lot of the time don't bust right out of the gate perfect most of the time they don't most got like most guys are not lebron most guys are not kevin durant like Steph Curry was not even either of those guys right out of the gate he no. he ended up playing pretty well overall throughout the year but he was not those guys like he was not Steph Curry until a couple years into his career. And so I I mean that that's why to me I just don't people ask if I'm concerned about Lonzo or whatever it may be and I'm just not. Like it's just too early. He's shown so many good things other than the shooting. So I'm going to go through his plus minuses over the first uh we'll do 10 games cuz 20 is a lot. But so he goes plus 7, plus, minus 19, minus 4, minus 13, minus 5, plus 28, minus 13, plus 3, plus 2, minus 4. I mean, it's just all over the place, right? And he his points in those games. It's four, almost like rookies are inconsistent. <laughs> crazy, almost. right? His, his points in that time frame, 14 points, 12 points, 7, 5, 9, 8, 6, 0, 14 14 i mean you're, you're talking about a rookie not not a single 20 point game there his three point percentage in in, in his three point shooting 0 for 1 2 for 3 1 for 2 0 for 1 1 for 2 1 for 2 0 for 2 0 for 0 i think there's one he must have gotten hurt or something because he only played uh yeah he didn't play very long here uh two for two two for six one for four, like <laughs> one for four, two games later, one for five, the following game after that, one for two, bust. two bust. for six. He's, <laughs> he's going to suck his whole career, Anthony. <laughs> he's a bust. They shouldn't have taken him. They should have taken Tyreek Evans. It's just, I, you're looking. Or Tyreek you, Evans, I think, was selected before him, maybe. I don't know. Remember remember how angry? I Didn't didn't they boo? Should have hoped that Wes Johnson dropped to them. They they booed uh, the the Golden State owner because they traded Monte Ellis to open up more time for Steph Curry. Yeah, I mean that to be honest, that was I think there were other factors there. I think Monte was also just like a fan favorite and people. Oh yeah, were, it was a straw that broke the yeah. camel's back. But yeah, yeah, like there were other factors there. But yeah, like that's what I'm saying. We're, we're all stupid. We've all done stupid things and had stupid reactions to things. And by the way, Steph was doing this as a 21 year old. Lonzo like I thought, I thought Robert Upshaw was going to end up being a good player for the Lakers. Whoops, <laughs> you know, like I, this stuff happens. I'm still holding out hope for my boy Thomas Bryant, who continues to light it up. Down hey, there Thomas Bryant went six of nine from three uh, <laughs> nice. last night, last night as or two nights ago, as of when this podcast will drop. Like, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm not saying it would be disrespectful for the Lakers to not specify that it's K Bryant whose number they're retiring, <laughs> but. 
<laughs> I'm not not saying that. <laughs> I'm just picturing the, the Twitter response to that. Ooh, imagine, imagine Kobe's reaction if they unveiled it and it said K. Bryant. <laughs> I think he would actually challenge Thomas Bryant to one-on-one right yeah. there. <laughs> With his dad bod and everything. Yeah. Who and would win that right now? Because Kobe better. Who do you who would win that? Like if you had to if you had It would still handicap. be Kobe. I'm sorry. Like it would still be Kobe. Man. For I one think, game, Kobe could do it. Like yeah, for I, I one think, one-on-one game, Kobe. I think could if it man. was like a series of seven games, I'd probably take Thomas Bryant. But like close if it was just a one game setting and 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 disrespectful tell and but if it was just one game and what was on the line was having to specify which bryant's jersey it's getting i'm like, pretty sure kobe would kick thomas bryant's kneecaps out yeah, and then just take the flagrant foul yeah i would probably yeah that's how we would probably that's how that would go down uh what was the... sorry, sorry thomas bryant <laughs> but i just Hypothetically kicked your kneecaps out. <laughs> what was that was the, very graphic. Uh, the Kevin Durant quote regarding Lonzo. I already I already said it, but thanks for listening while you were paying attention. I was I was googling the. the but he basically he basically echoed the same thing. He said he's 19. He's going to get picked apart in in L A. And like he's not wrong. Yeah, I it, the L A. part. I'm still not going to let people get away with. You know, oh, it's just Lavar. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna roll. No, with it's that. not just Lavar, but the LA thing factors in for sure. Yeah, and the and fact that going, he's a Laker, like if he was a Clipper, people would be talking about how fun and young and promising he is, and he'll figure out the shooting. Yeah, if he was, a, if he was like we talked about, if he was the San Antonio Spur, all we would hear about is how great he's been offensively or defensively, defensively. Yeah, and how and how much of a perfect Spur he is by how pass first he is, and by how uh, efficient he is in his in his post game conferences. Yes. He he learned from him and Pop would be a match made in heaven. <laughs> it would just turn into grunts. Like I could see those guys. All right, we're going to use as few words as possible. And by the end of the season, they're doing, I don't know, all facial communication. I I think regarding regarding well for one thing the Lakers I they're waiting we're still waiting to find out if Kevin Durant is going to play. Uh, I think Steph Curry said that his hand blew up on the plane flight over. Uh, which not not in a uh, Jason Pierre Paul situation, but in a in a swollen situation. So we'll see if those guys play. I hope they do. I really want this young team to play as good a, a Warriors team as they possibly can, just for the sake of the challenge. Heard it here first. Anthony hates the Lakers. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not the first time we, we've heard that. Can't say heard it here first. You, you heard it here first again. <laughs> the latest reason. So if you uh, – all right, so to put a bow on this show, one, I, I want more quotes like this from Luke about his process. I think it would be, it'd be cool just because I'm a, a basketball nut because I, 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 I like hearing about this stuff. Two, the Lakers are going to get smoked by the Warriors, but I, I like the way Steph and, and Durant both handled the Lonzo Ball questions. I liked that it was a lot of deference, and I think Steph Curry actually laughed off the LeVar Ball question, which was great to see. And and it tells me that the NBA is going in a direction where it's like, all right, those 15 minutes are Oh, my fun. God. I hope 
I hope Lonzo go, goes off tomorrow and the Lakers win just because I want to hear LeVar's quote oh, about God. Sun already being better than <laughs> Steph Curry. Like, again. Like, I want to hear what he comes up with to top that. Oh, man. He's going to, he's just going to show like a, a screen grab of a trade, Steph Curry straight up for Lonzo Ball. Who says no? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Amazing trolling. All right. LeVar. Uh, I love him so much. Do you have a prediction for the game? We don't ever do this, but do you have a prediction? Do you think the Lakers remain within 15 <laughs> points? Yeah, yeah, I think they'll keep it within 15. I don't. I do not. At some point. It's <laughs> at the start of the game, they will be within at tip. <laughs> All right. Well, if if they if they if they start the game like they started their last game, it's Then probably... you heard it here first on Locked On Lakers exclusive. <laughs> That was an inside baseball joke, and I loved every second of it. All right, that does it for this episode of the Locked On Lakers podcast. Lakers, by the time everybody is listening to this, will face the Golden State Warriors at home. Uh, Mark Manina is back in town, so watch out for for his craziness all over the city. (laughs) Have a good one, everybody. Find the show on... Megaphone slash Panoply, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Today's Fast Break, Spotify, Alexa, Lakers Nation, and Lakers Outsiders. I'm Anthony Irwin. That is Harrison Fagan. Have a good one.